0: This is nice. Uh, When we recorded the last episode with Josh, we were in in an Airbnb, so we only had our 14-inch displays. It's kind Uh, of nice to be able to... for yourself. I still have a 14-inch display. Sorry, I forgot. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Slices, the Deep Dish Swift podcast.
1: On this podcast, we'll be chatting with organizers and speakers of the Deep Dish Swift conference. We're Kai Marlin, and in this episode, we're chatting with Emmanuel Corvisio. Uh, the creator of card pointers and of course a speaker of the Deep Dish Swift conference. Hello. Hi. Thank you so Hi, much Manuel. for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for the for the show.
2: Thanks, yeah. Really excited about uh, this and uh, the conference as well and pizza.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no, I think it will be I think it will be awesome. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you and to meet you soon in person at the conference. Um I think we'll, we'll be getting to your talk, and we want to hear um, all about a bit about what you, what you want to talk about. I don't want to spoil too much, but um, first, we should just uh, I want to hear a bit more about you. So first, um, we'll start with where you're from and where you live at the moment.
2: Sure. Um, so I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I got out of there kind of as quickly as I could after school. So <laughs> um, then I actually moved to Chicago um, and went to college there for oh, four cool. years. Um, so yeah, Chicago's got a, a special spot in uh, in my heart. Um, mm. So I'm sure we're going to do some pizza wars over there as well. So that'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so now I've kind of moved all over the place. I lived in Europe for a while, uh, and now I've settled down in Miami. All right.
0: I think we that that means you're probably the go-to person to ask for food recommendations for people that go c- to the conference. That's good to know.
2: Well, yeah, like I said, the pizza pizza wars are kind of like a like religious wars. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know how much I want to recommend it to other people, but <laughs> I have my own personal favorites. Uh, I, I'll okay.
1: Say. I got to dig into this. I thought maybe we we'll wait till later, but I am curious. Do you think deep dish pizza is like a good thing or do you not approve of this as a, as a food item? Oh, I
2: love deep dish. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, okay. when I, when I was in college in Chicago, I don't know how I can do it looking back, but I used to order, I think it was a small size deep dish Giordano's pizza. And I would have that no problem for lunch and like be hungry for more. Now when I go back to Chicago, I can have like less than half of that. And I'm completely full. So I don't know what kind of magical 20-year-old stomach <laughs> I had. Um, but uh, it's probably a good thing I can't uh, down a whole pizza anymore. I'm
1: glad to hear that. Like Akai and I, we, we are questioning sort of pizza orders. I don't know if you know that in, at Amazon, they have this thing that you shouldn't have a team that's bigger than a pizza-sized team. And uh-huh. for Kai and me, we would have to be in two separate teams. It would just be us <laughs> and the sheep each. Because I, I'll finish a whole pizza. I mean, maybe not a deep dish pizza, but regular yeah,
0: pizza. We I have no deep dish references. But if we order a large pizza each, we we finish the whole thing.
2: <laughs> because that's pizza. You know, um, totally how's pizza in Miami? Uh, there are a few good spots. There's um one called Mr. 01, which is particularly good. And uh, the story's really neat. It's this guy who got his H 1B visa um because of his culinary skills and so he moved oh, really? to miami yeah uh, an italian guy and he opened up um uh, it had a different name before but now it's called mr o1 um he had opened it up in the basement of this office building so nobody could ever find it and <laughs> it would seat like eight people or ten people and it was the best pizza that i've think probably <laughs> ever had um, Oh, really that and then eventually quite some phrase yeah, and then uh, he's franchised. Well, not a franchise, but he's opened up more restaurants himself. Oh, so now wow. there are four or five of them around the city that are easier to find than the basement of a building. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that place is really good. So that's what I'd recommend for Miami pizza. All
0: right. Yeah. So we already went off the rails for the first question. <laughs> yeah. So much for trying to uh, stay on track, this time. Um So let's go back to what do you do. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, um, nowadays, uh, since last year, I went full time on card pointers. Um, so I've been building That's out, it. uh, this app. Um, uh, it's more than an app actually. Now it's kind of got a, it's got an iPhone, iPad, Mac, Android, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, web extension as well, and the website. So it's kind of, whatever, how many that is, six or so different uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, mm-hmm. projects at once. Um, so yeah, been I've uh, been growing that uh, for the uh, for the last few years. I started it about four years ago. Um and yeah, went full indie uh, just last year. That's, That's awesome. awesome.
1: Um how do you, and, and you work across all of those platforms?
2: Yeah, I am uh yeah, solo developer. So yeah. uh bootstrapped indie. Um never took funding or anything. Uh That's I've been awesome. growing that uh, on my own. Um and yeah, been I uh, learned how to do render developments uh at the <laughs> what was it, uh, the end of um uh, 2020, 2021. Um mm-hmm. and then I uh, launched the Android app after about a month or so of working on that. Uh, and all use the same uh, API uh, uses uh, RevenueCat revenue cat for in-app <clears> purchase syncing <throat> across all platforms. So if oh. you buy it on iOS, you would have access on Android to all the features, have access on the extension, et cetera. So um, yeah, oh, that's awesome.
0: Cool. What made you want to start with that? Because it's you know there are a lot of um, the standard indie projects you think of, right? It used to be Twitter apps now now probably Mastodon <laughs> apps. there's like the the weather app, the notes app. Yours is very, very different. What, what, what made you want to build card pointers?
2: Yeah, so I, this is actually, it's, it's, an, it's evolved from a few different things that I've tried over the years. So I launched um, a similar kind of app. It's a space that I've liked for probably about 10 years or so now. Um, and uh, so I launched a different iOS app probably about seven years ago, eight years ago that had some of the same concepts, but it didn't really gain any traction and ended up shutting that down I then relaunched the same kind of idea as a, as a Facebook bot um, when I thought yeah, those messenger bots were going to be really popular, but um, toes didn't really go anywhere either. <laughs> um, and so the back end of Card Pointers is actually still kind of an evolution of, of those two versions. Uh, oh, yeah. And then the iOS app and everything is all new, but the API structure, um, a lot of that code is actually code from from nearly 10 years ago when I started working on this idea. Um, and it really came out of a need uh, that uh, that I had um, mm-hmm. for myself and for family and friends Um, The idea being uh, credit card rewards tend to be pretty complicated by um, Mm -hmm. intentionally by the banks. Uh, The banks don't want people, they they want to lure people in with really rewarding Mm -hmm. credit cards and offers, but they don't want people to actually maximize (laughs) those benefits (laughs) because that costs them more money. Um, (laughs) But, you know, being an engineer, like I've always loved optimizing things and Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I was doing all those kinds of things uh, correctly and um, earning a lot more points so I could travel for free. Um, and, uh, so do my parents and, uh, so do, uh, so yeah. their friends as well. Um, yeah. and so it was kind of, I built that to, to solve that need for myself and for my family, help them keep track of how to use the cards that they have, and then also sign them up for new cards to get them more points. And that way we can spend more time vacationing together. <laughs> uh, and that was uh, really the, the impetus of the, uh, of the project.
1: That's cool. You mentioned that uh, banks are not super Enthusiastic about people knowing uh, all the different rewards. Um, so I assume there's no API that you can use to get like the cards and the rewards available. How do you how do you get all the data?
2: Yeah, no, there's no uh, there's no API. There's actually a third party service from Poland or something who had mm-hmm. stolen my database a few years ago oh, apparently really? oh, no. <laughs> and I was reselling it. I found out about that a few months ago. I was like, well, oh, that's wow. disgusting. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, there's no API. So this is a ton of labor. Um, yeah. Again, kind of going almost 10 years of, of building a credit card database, of changing offers and all the details about people's credit cards. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's all just homegrown and it also makes for a really uh, good moat as well for the business. Um, so mm-hmm. it's hard for new companies to come in and build what I built because mm-hmm. there is no source of this data. You literally have to compile it yourself and it's, uh, it's a lot of work uh, to keep up but, to date. Yeah.
0: What, what made this iteration take off? Considering that you've worked on on in this space for a long time, right, and now with the Iris app, and I mean, it's it's on the App Store featured in, in so many different places, right? Uh, do you know what changed? Why 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 this iteration worked out so so well?
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's a few things. Um, as is often the case in life, it's a matter of uh, of timing and luck, and you know, kind of putting things in your favor to to have that lucky moment, um, mm-hmm. and then more more specifically, like for the app itself was starting simple. Um, and it's something I've, I've heard now on, on other part, another podcast, people mention this, but start with a simple concept and a simple idea that you're just trying to solve, um, and try to find like a market, try to find like that niche. And then you can layer things on top of that. So in this case with card pointers, um, I launched originally as a web app to experiment there and, and see if I could find um, an audience and people who would, would want to use this kind of service. Um, And so what I did is I built its definitely like an MVP. It was basically you put in the credit cards that you have um, just by name, and then it would tell Mm -hmm. you uh, based on, I think it was 12 categories at the time, here's what card you should use for each of these categories, and here's how many points you could earn for purchases there to maximize Mm -hmm. uh, the points earned. Um, And so it was literally just that, and it didn't do anything else, and it was just a totally free web app. Uh, And I posted to Reddit, and that found uh, a decent audience pretty quickly, um the first day I posted uh about it uh, on Reddit, um I think I had like a few hundred signups or something. So oh, I was wow. like, okay, that's a good start. Yeah. Uh and then being because I've been an iOS developer for, for so long since the the first uh um since the first SDK came out, um I made myself I made myself a promise that I wouldn't build the iOS app until I had like <laughs> I think it was a thousand or five thousand users, or something like that. So I set mm-hmm. a goal specifically for myself yep. so that I mm-hmm. wouldn't waste time just building stuff, mm-hmm. as we often like to do, right? I mean, if <laughs> we have an idea, we can build it, so we build it, but it's not mm-hmm. always the best uh, best idea to do that. So, um, yeah, and then I, I managed to hit that goal right at Dub Dub 19 which is when SwiftUI came out, mm-hmm. and I always like to learn new things. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I'll just start building the app on SwiftUI, so... Forgo everything else uh, that uh, I learned before with Objective C and just uh, go all in Swift UI and see how that goes. Yeah, so that's I, awesome. Yeah, so I converted this MVP uh, basically into the iOS app, and then mm-hmm. I think what really helped to take off is I had I was doing some experimentation with the Apple Watch app, um, mm-hmm. which is also using Swift UI, and um, I had posted a tweet about showing how easy it is to build like a basically like list and moving uh, cards around yeah. to rearrange them, mm-hmm. and that tweet went kind of viral, and so I think it hit the right people at Apple mm-hmm. um, since Apple has opened up a bit more now and, uh, and engineers and, and other people there yeah. um, are actually on Twitter and, and they're seeing these mm-hmm. things and so I think that was a big component of it um, and so when it launched in 2019 uh, with the release of what was that, I was 13 uh, back mm-hmm. then um, Apple had featured it uh, really prominently, has a great app on watchOS 6 oh,
1: that's and great.
2: that's what really helped it take off and suddenly I had, it was like multiple users a second um, for like a good few days when it was <laughs> yeah. featured there uh, which was crazy because i was not expecting that at all yeah um, that's a
1: feature list that's available it's for the watch but you still see it on um on the app store on ios exactly
2: right? yeah so on the iphone the apps you pull up the app store if you're on that main page and i think it's called the general tab mm-hmm. um those stories do get a ton of traction yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. that, that was definitely what helped um yeah get so many users right up front and since then i've kind of continued to Prioritize um, having uh, exclusive features of the new OS mm-hmm. each year, mm-hmm. and so far, every single year, I've had some been a part of some feature lists, um, right. and so that's helped a lot. But you know, that's only once a year, so you have to do a lot more uh, beyond mm-hmm. that to keep <laughs> uh, the momentum going. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, those those were the big contributing factors, I think, for mm-hmm. for this finding success.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm congrats. always surprised at the the watch ones because some of our apps, like one app that we built, Orbit, is a time tracking invoicing app. And we were featured on the watchOS app store, not on, mm. on great apps for mm-hmm. watchOS, but on the watchOS app store, which we thought would have very little traffic. But we had a, like many, many, many mm. people reaching out that they found our app through the watchOS app store. Mm-hmm. And I think like intuitively when, when when we saw that we were featured on the app store, I would I thought, all right, who's gonna download an invo- mm-hmm. time tracking and invoicing app on the watch? Right, that we thought right. it's cool and it's like street credit, but there's no way pe- <laughs> we we find new users through the watch app store. But it's been super. Yeah, cool. it seems it's- like it's
1: sort of a, a a place for people to discover it, and then they end up mm-hmm. downloading it and using it on other yeah. other places as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I think the thing is, like, the audience is so enormous. If you think how many mm-hmm. millions of people have these devices. Invariably, they're going to be, you know, some people who are looking on the App Store on the watch. You know, mm-hmm. They just got a watch and they see that icon. So they'll tap on mm-hmm. it and they'll check out. So if you're featured on there, you know, there's a good probability they'll download it, especially mm-hmm. if it's a free download because it's risk um, so so it, free. So grab it. And if they mm-hmm. like it, they'll probably install, you know, the iPhone app or iPad or Mac app as well, um, you know, and kind of go from there. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the powerful things of, of being an indie. Um, is that we don't necessarily need a ton of people um, to yep. make an app successful. We just need to find some of the right people. Uh, mm-hmm. And so App Store features are, is a great way to do that, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of working as an indie, uh, I assume as an indie, you probably don't have a lot of stand-ups and go-no-go meetings. <laughs> yeah. So what, what what does your day look like? How do you structure your days?
2: Yeah, so um, the few meetings that I do have, which would be obviously with, uh, with outside people, um, I try to consolidate those into just Wednesdays. Uh, mm-hmm. so that way I can get them kind of all out of the way and don't have to get my uh, mind out of uh, out of work and kind of out okay. of that, uh, that that flow that's really helpful for programming. Um, so my day to day really depends. Uh, it's more kind of how I structured my year, um, mm-hmm. which I kind <laughs> of figured out a, a good a uh, good way to do that now. So um, basically, I know my busiest time is gonna be concentrating on the Apple updates. So mm-hmm. when dub dub comes out in June, up through September-ish, September, October, depending on the year, mm-hmm. I'm full-on on the iPhone app. So uh, iPhone and iPad uh, and the Mac app uh, and watch. Um, so all <laughs> of the Apple apps. That's what I focus on for, like, those three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, once that release uh, comes out, um, then I kind of shift over to it so bug fixes that from the things that I've just built and then start thinking about how to in- into- integrate that into the Android version. Um, as well as the extension. So then mm-hmm. the the rest of the year, I kind of focus on that, and then I shift to marketing from normally about January this year, I'm a little bit behind on the Android app. Um, <laughs> so that's a kind of bit too much. Um, but um, normally from January until about June, I focus on marketing and really yeah. trying to get uh, the app out there and growing growing that, growing new revenue mm-hmm. streams. Um, just finding new ways to kind of get that stuff in motion so that when I am working on programming time, I don't have to worry so much about making money then. I'll have put stuff mm-hmm. in place so that it's still monetizing well without me spending time marketing it.
0: Which one of those is your favorite? Which one do you enjoy? Which one do you look forward to? Do you look forward to the DubDub announcements and seeing to dive in? Or are you really into the marketing side? Is there one that you are like that you can't wait to, to get back into?
2: I think I'm most excited about DubDub because there's always exciting announcements. Um, I love playing with new APIs and experimenting with things. Um, That's kind of a part of the reason why I first did Card Pointers. So not only did it scratch my own itch there, um, I wanted some kind of platform where I could build uh, new technologies and play with the new technologies. Um, And so Card Pointers was kind of my outlet for that. And fortunately, it turned into financial success as well for me. Mm -hmm. So that's worked out really well there. Um, But yeah, Dub Dub is what I'm most excited about. And then after those first few days, I always think, like when I'm watching the videos, I'm like, oh, I don't have that much to do this summer. And then by the <laughs> end, I watched, all, I watched all the session videos that are pertinent to me. And then I have a crazy list of like hundreds of to-dos. And then I kind of regret it. And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a long <laughs> summer. <laughs> so I look forward to it the most, but then I kind of regret it the most afterwards. <laughs> so that's how it's been yeah. going so far.
0: Always happens. It, it
2: always <laughs> seems
0: when when you see the announcement, you're like, oh, a few nice things. Yeah. But then when you dive in, there's so much yeah. stuff that didn't make the State of the Union into keynote, And you're like, all right, it's, it's an, an ever-growing ever it, list.
1: And then you also look at it and you're like, I got three months. Like I could build an <laughs> entire app in that time. This, this will be fine. And then it's like, oh, the last 10% of finishing all the things you were going to do is going to take much longer oh. than the first yeah, 90.
0: And I think especially with SwiftUI, you you sometimes underestimate beta one, not necessarily the most stable when it comes to SwiftUI stuff. <laughs> There's always a little bit of like, I think this is how it's supposed to to work. Let's wait another beta cycle and beta 2 mm-hmm. beta 3 beta 4 you're like all right now now i think i'm i know where i'm going and then everything is changing again with beta 6
2: <laughs> yeah and the first year was really rough in 2019 with uh oh, yeah i don't know if you if you both used swift in the very beginning yep. but yeah, um, on yeah the that, that was brutal i mean on everything <laughs> even on iphone like so many things would change and it would mm-hmm. just break everything and we also had no idea what we were doing because there wasn't <laughs> that much documentation <laughs> so thank goodness for open source yeah. projects to, to learn uh, there um, but um. Yeah, it was really tough that first year. Yeah.
0: yeah what was it? Yeah. No summary available. Was that what it was called <laughs> for all the Swift yeah, UI? And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, but in that first year, um, when, when Swift UI came out, you you were able to build basically the whole iOS app then and release it in September for, uh, for day one, right?
2: Yeah. It was an iPhone, iPad, and an Apple Watch. Importantly, um, and yeah. so yeah, <laughs> I was there on on day one for uh, for that release. Mm. That's cool.
0: So about your talk because this is what we're really
1: before before we go into the talk i i I do have to ask i (laughs) don't i've been curious i know that your background is as a race driver is that uh, we haven't even touched on that and i feel like we're we're gonna (laughs) go down the rabbit hole now but i do have to ask how like race driver to making apps and especially this type of app like how did that all happen (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty much unrelated, um, but growing up, I kind of had two passions in life, uh, and that was cars uh, and then programming, computers in general. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, when I went to study in Chicago, that was a computer science degree, so mm-hmm. I finished that up, um, and then as soon as I was done, I basically worked the, the whole summer to get enough money together to be able to move to Europe to go racing over there. Um, and wow. so I put that stuff in place, and then I raced for almost six years uh, over in Europe, um, so didn't do any programming then uh, I did some strange work on the side to make money, so i was uh, i was fixing up um Citroen two 2CVs. vs uh those, are, no, those cars. yeah um I know it's a very strange um <laughs> uh, uh, what, what yeah, was like,
0: what was your relationship was it just your French last name that drew you into fixing Citroens
2: <laughs> yeah well so it was actually my dad's very first car it was it Citroen okay. uh, de cheval um, and he had, as uh, she told me a funny story, um, he had fixed pretty much everything on that car. Um, at one point, he was driving down the road, and both of the seats broke at the exact same time with him <laughs> and my oh, mom no. in the car. And they both fell flat <laughs> on their asses or on the floor of the oh, car. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, yeah, so that, uh, there was some family history there. Um, mm-hmm. And my father had actually mentioned at one point he saw at a, at a market back in Cleveland, um, a guy had bought a restored uh, Dush Fulgrinette, uh, the truck version. And was basically painted some advertising on the side there. Mm -hmm. And um, he had asked the guy how much he had paid for it. And it was like $6,000 or $8,000 or something. And he knew that the cars were worth nothing in France. They were selling for like a few hundred euros. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he had mentioned that kind of in passing to me. And I was like, well, I need some way to be able to, I think it was like $50,000 I had to basically um, create in in a matter of a few months. And I'm like, how am I going <laughs> to do that? And I was like, okay, well, the dish was, he was talking about, you know, like a, a healthy $7,000-ish like yeah. margin. Mm-hmm. Um, so minus the cost of shipping and stuff, if I can do like at least like five or 6000 on each car, that will be how much I need. So I ended up doing six cars all at once and then shipped them <laughs> in uh, two different containers from France. And I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I had I had no idea if the cars would actually make it to the States. And then if I could register them, I mean, mm-hmm. it should theoretically work, but <laughs> I didn't know for sure because I'd never done this and nobody in you had. Oh. So I just kind of went all in. I was like, I have to make it happen. And uh, fortunately it worked out well and um, yeah, sold those and went on and I uh, I fixed up and imported about a hundred more of them after that. Oh, really? Really?
1: Yeah, That's a lot. Yeah. It,
2: it paid for basically most of my racing. I raised money doing that and then I was mm-hmm. also selling sponsorship on the car through eBay. Um, which is <laughs> random, but no one yeah. else is really doing it. So we got some attention. So I got a few sponsors that That's way. And that kind of funded my whole racing career for uh, yeah for a good
1: few years. So, huh. uh, wow. Uh, I, have, I have so many. i to keep this short. So I don't want to keep... Do, do, yeah, not, we need a spin-off podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Just for that part yeah. of, your,
0: <laughs> of your journey. Yeah. I do but think so... we have to move on, but there will okay. be a lot... In Chicago, we, we got to grab a deep dish pizza and talk more about that part because yeah. I have a, about a hundred extra questions about yeah, that.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm very curious how, how this all works. <laughs> yeah. um, so then all we right. ended up building, building iOS apps so and now you're going to talk at deep dish conference. Deep dish yeah,
0: conference. it was hard to find a segue now.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, the pizza wasn't very good in France. So there we go. Going back to <laughs> deep dish. Uh, there we go. <laughs>
0: All right, so what what's your talk about, at Deep Dish?
2: Yeah, so the official title is Going Full Indie from Side Project to the Best Job You've Ever Had. Um, mm-hmm. And she it's should... basically uh, summarizing kind of my journey, um, how I got mm. here from, I mean, that was literally a side project. I made no money off of card pointers for the first uh, year and a half, basically. Um, and then I really started focusing on treating it like a business and not just a side mm. project and not just mm-hmm. an app, but really like a company and figuring out how to grow that. Um, and so I'm going to be kind of going into detail about some of the pitfalls, things to look out for, um, and then how to really grow um, from like a side project to, uh, to, you know, to a full-time job that can yeah. more than replace your salary. Um, and the end result is it's literally like improved every aspect of my life, um, <laughs> switching over full-time. So just to, to give some context, I was working both jobs at the same time. So I was working uh, as the director of engineering at um, a marketing startup that's based in San Francisco. And I started that job, funny enough, um, like about three days after the uh, the iOS release, the first one in 2019. Oh, wow. So the timing was interesting because all of a sudden I had this amazing traction with users. And I'm like, why am I starting a job somewhere <laughs> else when I really could focus on this? But. I had, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't generating revenue at the time. So I'm like, okay, I should just do both at the same time and, and see how that goes. Mm. Um, and so I did that, but it led to so much stress and so much burnout, um, especially at the, uh, the end of, uh, of 2020 when I was really trying to focus on both. Um, it was just really difficult. So I kept doing that for a bit longer until um, I basically monetized the app uh, at the end of 2020. And that started showing some good signs in the beginning, but really accelerated as the year went on. And so by the end of 2021, um, I knew that I couldn't like mentally and health-wise continue to work both jobs because it was just too much. Um, and at that point, Carpenter's was making more than my salary was at the, the marketing job. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, I need to make this switch. And fortunately, the, uh, the CEO of the company is a good friend of mine that I've known for a while. Um, and he was uh, very helpful in helping me transition and let me work fewer days, mm. so that um, we could kind of start winding down my work there and focus more on car pointers. and helping mm. that really blow up, um, and so uh, yeah, did that for a few months. So I was only working a few days then at the uh, that the startup, um, and then made the full transition in January of uh, of twenty
0: twenty two. That's really cool. Yeah, it's I'm also excited. quite a quite a praise. <laughs> that is the best job you've ever had, considering that we know about your race driving and car uh, exploring yeah. business.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, if, if I could have made uh, money racing instead of just bringing money, that would have, uh, could have probably would have shifted things over. Um, but for uh, reasonable jobs, um, yeah, 100%, this is uh, this is the way to go. Mm, that's yeah.
0: awesome. What's the state of your talk? Are you all done? You Everything prepared? Or are you still... Also, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm a horrible <laughs> procrastinator. Yeah, don't feel stressed <laughs> if you're not all done. Uh, <laughs> we have plenty of time to prepare our talks.
2: <laughs> yeah no i've got the the general idea I've got a few notes together but um yeah i've got to do some more work on that um mm-hmm. but yeah as i mentioned I, I tend to be a pretty bad procrastinator so uh realistically i probably won't touch it until for uh, another month or so uh if not uh, if not a bit later than that um but <laughs> I'll make sure it's good by the time, uh, by the time we're ready to go
1: <laughs> yeah i'm sure it will be how, how do you how do you usually prep do you have an like an approach once uh like on how to prepare the talk?
2: Um, so it's more for me a matter of kind of creating an outline, um, and then uh, traditionally I spend kind of way too much time in Keynote trying to get everything just right <laughs> and uh, with the right animations and stuff. Um, I know Josh built a, a tool um, in in Swift mm-hmm. um, to uh, to build a presentation, so I'll probably play around with that as well and see if I can use that. Um, but um, yeah, otherwise just kind of going from from outline, thinking about talking points, um, and just you know building that stuff out and having uh, you know a good number of slides for the for the right amount of time. Um, I've done that before and kind of each time I do a presentation even though the subject is different from what I've presented on before um, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how much you learn from what you've done before and just apply that forward and so every every single talk gets better and better I think so um, hopefully that will be the case and I can keep that going <laughs> oh,
1: that, um, yeah I, I think it's always interesting to hear like different approaches to preparing I'm definitely also uh, often, often getting into keynote, I think a little bit too early in of a stage <laughs> for yeah. for the talk. I'm like, oh, I want to make the pretty slides now, but I haven't really settled on the outline, and it's just... yeah.
0: You have amazing magic moves between slides that you'll uh, end up cutting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I,
2: te- text editors work great for me, so I normally start in a text editor, so I'm not too distracted, like you said. Mm. Yeah, um, and then yeah. that's going to keynote, and then yeah, then, then go crazy with the animations and realize how bad I am at keynote compared to most people. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, hopefully I won't waste too much time on that and try to that's over-engineer so something as a as I'm <laughs> off to do. Yeah.
0: What What is your favorite part about giving conference or giving talks, presentations, all of those?
2: I uh, I like being able to meet people and get good, interesting questions. Um, that's always yeah. been kind of the most interesting part. Um, the last talk I did, I was invited to talk at. Uh, at uh berkeley uh in california oh no. no, that's cool um, which was really random i never thought i'd be giving a talk at berkeley but there yeah. was a uh, actually a class um that was focused on learning more about credit card rewards um mm. and so that's i got an to talk an interesting about class. That. And, yeah. yeah i know they so berkeley does this thing called decons i think it was called um where students can run a class basically so okay. uh, it was this guy sean lane who um ran a course for uh i think it was three months or four months um, so he had a curriculum and everything, and yeah, he invited uh, two guest speakers, and I was one of them. Um, that so that was awesome. really cool to actually talk to like college kids and who were yeah. into the same you know hobby, uh, you know, if you want to call it that, yeah. of credit card awards and, <laughs> and learning to travel for free and stuff. And um, yeah. they're they're really plugged in. Like that was really cool to to see yeah. just how much they were into it because it's not yeah. often that you get to, to meet people who are into this hobby. So um, yeah, that was nice.
0: It's probably hard to find a group of so many dedicated cards, card point optimizers. Optimizers,
2: yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: um, so, what are you what are you looking forward to the most when it comes to this talk um, at uh, Deep Dish?
2: I mean, I'm I'm super excited to learn what people can do with uh, kind of the things that, that I've learned um, over mm-hmm. the last few years of of you know growing card pointers from you know a side project to uh, to uh, you know to a real business. Um, so, hopefully, that will inspire some other folks to to do the same. Yeah, um, yeah. I've talked with. Uh, good number of developers off of twitter and people i've met um uh, and uh, through other uh, through other places um who oftentimes you know it's they like to build things and it's definitely a side project but they don't really think about it like a business and mm-hmm. this happens with content creators as well i've seen often um they have like some ideas on how to do things but then they don't really take it too seriously mm-hmm. um, and so many times like they could grow it into a business and they just don't really realize that it's possible um, mm-hmm. so hopefully I can inspire some folks to do that um, I often use the example of, of Curtis Herbert who launched um, uh, mm-hmm. he's a speaker yeah. at Deep Dish as well um, who wrote Slopes um, and he shared a lot of his numbers and that was a huge inspiration for me mm-hmm. to realize mm-hmm. that as an indie developer that I could do the same thing um, that I can actually make a business that will sustain me um, yeah. And can kind of you know set up like a, a good life for the future. Um, so Curtis was a huge inspiration there, and so I hope to be able to do the same for others as well.
0: Mm. Uh, it already works for us because we, mm-hmm. as as I think, with a lot of Indies, really struggle with the marketing side mm-hmm. and seeing how how <laughs> how seriously you're taking it now, mm-hmm. but also that it actually results in <laughs> that you have results out of your marketing mm-hmm. and and all of those efforts. I think is is. Um, both inspiring, but also it adds this. You know, this we we should really do more of that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> that mm-hmm. is such a crucial part of of running your business is yeah. both building building a good product and then getting it out there for people to actually use. Right, that is that is a pretty important part to it. Yeah, I really enjoy seeing the things you're doing outside of just the the code.
2: Oh, glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, without more, I've always loved having users and knowing people are using my product. Um, A company I worked at before uh, used to build magazine apps um, for the iPad and the iPhone. And the first time I saw someone that I didn't know, like in an airplane, actually using the app, like I got so excited. Um, I still haven't seen anyone use card pointers in the wild or like, but I really wanted, I added um, app shortcuts. um, So Mm -hmm. you could say like card pointers for Starbucks and it would automatically uh, trigger from Surrey. So I hope Mm -hmm. one day I'll be in a store and I just hear someone say that. Like that would make me so happy. Um, But yeah having users is is great so in I mean, without marketing um you're just not really going to build that much of an mm-hmm. audience like you can get some from the app store but it's not going to be like an ongoing thing so need some kind of channel to, to keep that stuff going. Um, and there's so much you can do and there's so many people out there. So just trying to get a small number of them uh, as an indie can make a really big impact.
0: Man, there's so many other things we could talk about, but yeah. we should get into our rapid fire questions. Yes.
1: Yes. Well, sure. And uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to this catching up at the, at the conference. Um, and we do have some questions that are sort of meant to trigger other conversations at the conferences or at the conference later. Um so we wanted to ask you what your favorite iOS app is as a start. Yeah. that and this can be, like, any time. Like, it could be, like, the OG iOS app uh, days. Sure. It doesn't have to um, be
2: cured. I'm just thinking, like, the, the app that I probably use most often um, is technically iPadOS, but uh, the Reader app, um, it's Rizio, mm-hmm. uh, mm. I think is his name, um, but any uh, developer uh, made, mm. like, my favorite RSS reader, um, and so... That's when I spend most of my time on on the iPad, on uh, mm. the iPhone a bit as well. Um but and it's just eh, maybe it's a tie. If we reader and things are kind of my two favorite ones. It- oh, yeah. Just yep. have like the right amount of polish. They just completely get out of your way. They don't have like uh, crazy like revolutionary changes every year. Mm-hmm. It's just small evolutions and it's not even on a, on a yearly basis necessarily. They just kind of nailed it and they stick with it. Mm. And I think that's really rare. Most Developers and, and companies in particular <laughs> just try to keep building stuff on top of it, and it can get really mm-hmm. confusing. Um, whereas, you know, these two companies have uh, really just kind of nailed the product, and yeah, um, yeah they <clears> stick <throat> with it. So I like those a lot.
0: Yeah, great two picks. How about Mac app? What's your favorite Mac app?
2: Uh, these days, what I probably use most often is Raycast. Um, oh, I was yeah. uh, a Quicksilver user back in the day. Um, I replaced that with uh, another app I can't remember the name of it anymore. LaunchBar? Yeah, LaunchBar. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So LaunchBar was like the, the perfect replacement for me for Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, and then Raycast has kind of nailed it. Um, it's even faster. LaunchBar was getting slow for me and uh, just kind of painful. Um, so Raycast, the only thing it's really missing, um, I don't know if there's a way to do it, but um, selects, uh, you could send a file um, to LaunchBar by like mm-hmm. double tapping. I think the default is control. Um, so I don't think there's a way to do the unraycast raycast, which would be nice. And I don't use it quite as much for like the the super powerful like moving files around mm-hmm. like, and some other things that um, I love watching videos about for how people mm-hmm. can get really good yeah. at it. But uh, the extensions are really nice, um, and it's just really quick. So um, mm. the clipboard history is really good. They just kind of nailed things just the way that I would want them to be done. Um, so it's a yeah, it's a great tool to have.
0: Mm. And their their iteration speed is incredible every every couple of weeks they launch new major, really cool, useful, well thought out features. I am I'm very impressed. Yeah,
2: and they, they add stuff that you don't have to use, but they do a good job of surfacing it with really good release yeah. notes. Yeah. Um they're pretty active on Twitter as well. Um so yeah, like yeah, they had flight tracking recently. Um yeah. also, the integration with uh they have deep links now, so you can use that so you can yeah. try into uh into the yep. shortcuts app. Um yeah, a lot of really powerful stuff that you don't have to use it if you don't want to, but yeah. if you really want mm-hmm. to geek out, then you've yeah. got that stuff available, which is a yeah, nice combination.
0: Nice pick. What's your favorite iPhone model?
2: I'd probably say the first one, so because I waited in line yep. for all, right. all the... Uh, it's kind of, I kind of missed it, actually, with waiting in line for iPhones, but I did it for <laughs> every model, uh, pretty much. Um, but yeah, the first one was really special. I remember when an Apple employee came out to the line and he had the phone, and he showed it briefly to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like we're just on the cusp of getting it. I guess yeah. you know, ten more <laughs> minutes of waiting, and we can have one ourselves. But that was so exciting, and like hearing like the lock cool. for the first time, yeah. and seeing the swipe animation. Like, uh, yeah, that's always going to be a special one for me.
0: Yeah, pinch to zoom is going to be that. That to me uh, was. I probably sold a hundred iPhones when it, when I had it, and I showed people, and they let them pinch to zoom on a photo. I think that <laughs> that that gesture alone probably sold sold people.
2: The other thing that kind of blew me away was uh, tapping on a phone number to call the person.
0: Yeah, like oh. just yeah. searching
2: for something and tapping. Like I don't yeah. have to dial it, like type in the numbers anymore. Yeah. Oh, I remember that felt so good.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, which store did you line up at?
2: Uh, at the time, I was living in Phoenix, um, so oh. I was at uh, I can't remember it was some mall thankfully because it would have been really hot outside there was one line I did in Phoenix which I can't remember for whatever reason I think it was a shorter line or closer to where I was but I waited outside in the the Phoenix sun Um, there was no shade oh and then worst of all i didn't actually get a phone that day oh no um, oh, really it was like three people in front of me that was the limit yeah. they counted how many phones they had oh no and they're like oh nope sorry and this is after waiting like three hours yeah oh, i was like man. oh gosh and then i found another store that had one i think later that night or something um it was like 50 miles away but yeah I managed to still get one but <laughs> yeah that was that was painful
1: <laughs> uh, all right um speaking of favorites what's your favorite food uh,
2: favorite food um, is ashipa mochi, which is a very French dish. Um, there is like a British equivalent. Um It's basically mashed potatoes uh, with uh, on top of um, roast beef. Um, that's all mm-hmm. diced up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some cheese on top of it. There can also be like uh, some vegetables inside of it. Um, but that's kind of the... The thing that my mom made growing up that um, mm-hmm. I really loved, it's really a great winter dish because it kind of yeah. heats up the whole house. Um, <laughs> and it's just kind of nice and savory. Um, but yeah, uh, I love that. So definitely go with that one. Uh,
0: and now our true two truths and a lie segment. So that is, your, your for people that don't know, you give us uh, three statements, two of them are true, one is a lie. And we're not going to reveal which one is true and which one is lie until the conference. So it's a good... Good conversation starter to to find a manual and, and tell them which one you think is the light. Hmm. What are you a tourist and your light? Not in that order. I think they would give it away.
2: <laughs> well, Lord, no, I should go in that order so people will assume that uh, that's yeah. kind of yeah, the that light. <laughs> Peace. All right. So, um, all right. So, three things. Um, one, uh, I drive an electric car every day. Two, I've never had a speeding ticket three Ooh. <laughs> i used to hate mac uh i used to hate apple uh entirely until um uh, the iphone uh, until the ipod came out
0: okay i have really? absolutely no idea i really no. hope that you've never had a speeding ticket
1: <laughs> yeah i'm uh, very curious oh, this, all right. these are really good ones Ooh. All right. Uh, right, I think it's uh, time to wrap it up. And it's been awesome to talk to you, Manuel. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you online before before we meet at the conference?
2: Sure, so I'm um, still a little bit on Twitter despite what's going <laughs> on there. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm Crow on there, I'm also on, on Instagram and pretty much every social network, uh, also on Macedon. Um, and then I'm on Card Pointers, uh, it's out cardpointers Card Pointers uh, on pretty much mm-hmm. every platform as well. Um, so pretty easy to get a hold of there. Um, and you can also download Cardpointers uh, from uh, from the App Store, Google Play Store, uh, and the Chrome Web Store. <laughs>
0: awesome! Uh, we'll also put the uh, links on the show notes mm-hmm. for all of those things we mentioned.
1: Um, but yeah, and if you uh, also everyone should join the conference um, to find out more about the story. And uh, I am super excited for your talk. So I think it will be really fun. Me too. Really fun in um, in April to meet up and hear your talk. With that, um, thanks for listening to the episode of Slice, everyone. Um, the Deepti Deep Swift Conference is happening in Chicago from April 30th to May 2nd um, of the year 2023. And we'll have all of the links to that in the show notes. Um, and join us next week uh, for another episode where we'll be chatting with another amazing speaker. Thank you so much. See everyone then.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks Thank so you. much
2: for having me. Can't wait to uh, to meet you both in person. <laughs>
0: likewise likewise and i can't wait to go to your favorite deep dish uh, pizza spot
1: <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll take you in uh, in secret <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you and josh already had a had a dispute about this one um i yeah <laughs> um
2: yeah i mean anytime you go to chicago people have uh opinions there. I've already seen some uh, some some words thrown around on twitter so um, yeah hopefully josh will make it out alive <laughs> <laughs> oh.